Hello spoiler fans, Andy here. We hope you're all staying safe and keeping well during these unprecedented times. While living under lockdown, those of you who follow us on Facebook or Twitter may have noticed we've been running our own spoiler awards, in which we've posted a daily list of nominees in various categories and asked you to vote for the winners. We've so enjoyed this process that we'd like to hold a proper award ceremony, but unfortunately we're unable to leave our homes in order to do that. Luckily though, you can go anywhere in your imagination. Hello, I'm Andy Golding and welcome to the first ever Spoiler Awards, in which we celebrate the cream of the talent that produced the films, books and TV shows we've covered in our British Podcast Award-nominated show. And it's wonderful to see so many of them here tonight. Looking out over the crowd, I can see the Breakfast Club's Judd Nelson, fist raised in triumph. Judd, you've not won anything yet. Sit down and stop making a fool of yourself. Over there, I can see Vertigo's Jimmy Stewart, who, in some sort of sick joke, has been seated in the gods. Next to him is Boyhood's Ella Coltrane, who has been coming to this venue once a year for the last 12 years to see if he's won anything yet. To my left, I can see our host, Paul Tyler, sitting between Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor and looking distinctly unamused, while to my right, seated between Tom Hiddleston and Paul Newman and looking significantly happier, is our own Rachel Burnett. Over there is Die Hard's Bruce Willis, who, in honour of this prestigious occasion, is tonight wearing his formal vest, while next to him are Rooms, Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, who just look glad to be out and about. And outside, arguing with the bouncers, is Gladiator's Russell Crowe, who still can't understand why he hasn't been nominated in every category. What a galaxy of stars we have before us. And so, without further ado, let's get this show on the road. What's that, Christopher Lloyd? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, you. Our first category tonight is Best Supporting Actor, in which we recognise the achievements of the actors whose impact on us as viewers transcends the relative size of their roles. The nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Ethan Hawke in Boyhood. I particularly really, really want to talk about Ethan Hawke. Who knew? <laughs> I knew. Yeah, oh, yeah. Who knew? I, I, I knew. I, I love Ethan Hawke. Yeah. yeah, you're a big fan too. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what would, what would I, I mean, I, 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 like, I think he's a likeable character. What, what would you have, what would I have seen him in before that, that I'm missing, that I'm forgetting? A lot of, Link, of Richard Linklater yeah. films before Sunrise, before Sunset. Um, well, in School of Rock, though, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Reed in Gladiator. Oh, oh. boy, could he act. Mm. Yeah. And did yeah. he acted everyone off the screen on this, <laughs> yeah. but no one came close. No. I mean, it was just, I thought it was just incredible. He bowled me over, really bowled me over. I'd forgotten, you know, just, just how good he was. I mean, mm. that, that's... Come on, pick that out. That's proper acting, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. And that's I think he's he's the one the one really good performance in the film. Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Well, what I, I think, like you, Rachel, you know, because he, I, I feel like I'm so familiar with this film, I thought, well, I'll just stick it on in the background, do something. And I was, I was I was preparing tea, cooking, or something, something like that. And it got to the point where, and it wasn't the first bit where Alan Rickman comes in because he's just walking around a lobby. That's kind of not, you know, neither in or there. When he opens his little book on the steps and there's gunfire gone off and stuff like that, and he's got everyone's attention and his body movement. And at that point then I knew that I had to watch Alan Rickman, be Alan Rickman or, you know, the hands grew away. But really, you know, we're, we're soaking up Alan Rickman every little bit we can of him these days. And I just thought, no, right, turn that off. 
stick on a podcast or the radio instead <laughs> while you're doing your tea and come back to this later because you need to watch this character. You can't, you, you can't, you can't listen to him. Um, and I mean, really, he, he outshines everyone, doesn't he? Anthony Michael Hall in The Breakfast Club. Yeah, no, I absolutely love Brian. I love the bit where um, he's taking his coat off. <laughs> I knew and you were say that. <laughs> I love it, and he notices Bender's taking his off as well. He's like, oh, uh, oh you, you better take your coat off first. And it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> and then he, he blows on his hands <laughs> to pretend, pretend he's cold. It's so Brilliant. funny. I just love Brian. It's so well, so well performed. Richard Griffiths in With Nail and I. If anyone else had played this role or if anyone but Bruce Robinson had written the screenplay, this could have been a very offensive mm. part. I mean, it's a, it could have fallen into the, the kind of stereotype of the predatory homosexual, which has turned up in all sorts of awful films. But it's not, it's not offensive at all, because Uncle Monty, he's such a fully rounded character. And the winner of the Best Supporting Actor spoiler is... Richard Griffiths in Widnell and I... And here comes Richard now, eagerly making his way to the stage. He means to have that spoiler award, even if it must be burglary. But no, Richard, it's rightfully yours. Enjoy with our compliments, and thank you once again for giving us the gift of Uncle Monty. Our next category is Best Supporting Actress, and in an industry that all too frequently fails to provide strong, believable leading roles for women, these performers continue to bring the weight and depth of a star turn to smaller parts that without their shining talents might otherwise fade into the background. The nominees for Best Supporting Actress are Hayley Squires in I, Daniel Blake. In this role, when she first started to talk, because I watched this thing on my phone, I paused the film because I thought of that voice, that, that voice, I recognise that voice, she's been in something, where do I recognise it from? Uh, so I went straight on the internet. I, I, she's not got a huge filmography yet, yeah. yet because she will she do. Will, yeah. And there was nothing really. I think there was something I'd seen, and then she did, only played as mind upon it. I thought I definitely not heard a voice from that. Now here's where I heard a voice from. Everywhere, every day. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'd heard a voice from yeah. because she's. It was. It was natural, and that is obviously so harder to play when you've got a camera pointing in your face than anything else at all. But she, she, <laughs> boy, she did it. Patricia Arquette in Boyhood. Throughout the film, she's astonishing. But I think really for me, it was the last thing we see of Olivia is just this despair of the empty nest. And mm. it's, you know, I mean, that's quite upsetting, isn't it? Joan Allen in Room. You're impossible to talk to right now. Oh, sorry. Well, no, no, you're not sorry. Yeah, I'm not sorry. You have no idea what's going on in my head. Yeah, well, try me. I have asked you. And then what? Then every time you look at me, that's all that you see? When I look at you, Joy, I will see my daughter. Laura Linney. In the Truman Show. Laura Linney. Discuss. Oh, I love Laura Linney. <laughs> she just absolutely steals the show. She in this totally movie. does. I love her so much. I love the fact that she looked at um, like 1950s um, stars yeah. and, and catalogues and things like that. And her posing, her little gesticulations. <laughs> she's so fantastic. Sean Clifford in Fleabag. She's so good. You know, as good yeah. as, as good as Fleabag is, she's so good in that sister role. And so, oh. It's just really authentic. For me. Mm. And actually, you probably haven't seen her in anything. She's only in five, four other things apart from this, which shocks me mm. because yeah. she's so talented and she just seems so experienced. I mean, against somebody like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's just so engaging, so captivating, I am a bit in love with her, I'll warn you now, <laughs> um, that you think you wouldn't care about anybody else, you wouldn't listen to anybody else. But when they're together, and I have a sister, an older sister, and that relationship they have, I'm not saying it's like our relationship, I've never <laughs> been that mean to my sister, <laughs> but that there is deep love between them, and that absolutely comes through as well. And 
I, I was so moved by that sisterly relationship between them. And that can only happen with two fantastic performances that are on the same level, and they were. I thought Sean Clifford was just fantastic. Yeah. And the winner of the Best Supporting Actress Oscar is Hayley Squires in I, Daniel Blake. And here comes Hayley now, receiving a well-deserved spoiler for that devastating performance of single mother Katie. She had us all in tears with that famous harrowing food bank scene, but she's certainly full of beans tonight with that spoiler win under her belt. Congratulations, Hayley. Our next category tonight is Best Screenplay, in which we recognise the scribes without whose words our actors would be struck dumb and our directors lose all direction. The nominees for Best Screenplay are The Truman Show by Andrew Nichol. This is a brilliant film, in my opinion. It was it was prophetic. It was not, not completely original. I mean, we said it's based on a, a Twilight Zone episode. I think it's actually a couple of Twilight Zone episodes. I think ultimately... For me, this is the best example of this kind of plot. A Separation by Asghar Fahadi. Uh, first 10 minutes, I was thinking, oh, OK, this is all right. And then, wow, just gripped, absolutely gripped. And I'd love to watch it again and again and again, because I think it's one of those films that absolutely bears repeating. With Nail and I by Bruce Robinson. I don't know, if someone dumped this on your desk, you'd say, that's not a film, mate. <laughs> mm, I think it is a bit of a strange one, because you need the performances behind the quotes. So if you get a screenplay like that and it says, here, 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 if you haven't got Richard <laughs> Griffiths saying, here, 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 it's just... <laughs> oh, well done. Thank you. Um, it's just, it's not, it's just a line. It's just a throwaway line, like, okay, here, here, here. But it needs the performances. When Harry Met Sally by Nora Ephron. I would say Richard, this is rom-com, not chick flick. Well, this is the thing, though. It has now become when rom-coms are slash chick flicks. Mm. Whereas now, then, back then, when Harry Met Sally, absolutely, it is your definitive rom-com for me. And it's not a chick flick. It's not a Suckfest total chick flick. It is, it is for everybody. And that's why it's so fantastic and why it's so successful and why it works and works and works is because it is for both genders and it tells both sides of the story. And you don't get that anymore. Pride by Stephen Beresford. A combination of good writing, good directing and a great cast. And Absolutely. I think Ben Schnetzer, who plays Mark, who I guess Mark, you could say, is the closest you come to a, a lead character, maybe. Yeah, maybe. He, he's kind he kind of a driving force, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right away, without reducing anyone to two-dimensional types, you know approximately what function the, each character is going to serve. Mm. But it's not predictable in... in that, so you know what function they're going to serve, but you don't know w- exactly where it's going to go with them. And the winner of the best screenplay spoiler is... Andrew Nichol for The Truman Show. And here comes Andrew now to collect a spoiler for that truly unforgettable screenplay. He may well have the feeling he's being watched tonight. And he'd be right. All eyes on the man who gave us the wonderful world of Truman Burbank. For our next category, we look to the genius composers whose scores can make or break a film and whose too often overlooked contribution is one of the keys without which we could not unlock the magic of cinema. As is only fitting, I'm handing over proceedings for this category to our resident film score expert Rachel Burnett, who is joining me now on stage, bedecked in a striking lime green full-length bridal gown, offset by a tangerine orange trilby in 12-inch stiletto heels. Rachel, take a load off on that lectern and let's have the nominations for Film Score, please. Oh, that's the last time I borrow anything from Grace and Perry in a lockdown panic. Taking these off, 
I don't know how RuPaul manages it day in, day out. Right, where was I? Okay. The nominees for best score are Jan Tearson for Amelie. Stephen Rennix, personal friend of mine, for Room. Lalo Schifrin, Skifrin, Lalo Skifrin, I don't know, Lalo Schifrin for Cool Hand Luke. Bernard Herman for Vertigo, which I'm going to have if I have to put them frickin' shoes back on. Mansell for Moon. of the best score spoiler is Bernard Bernard Herman for Vertigo. Writing a 61-year run, the man who wasn't even Oscar nominated for one of the most famous cinema scores of all time has finally been recognised as an even more prestigious spoiler award for his work on Vertigo. It's enough to make me dizzy with joy. Congratulations, Bernard. Our next category is one of several that are unique to the Spoiler Awards, in which we recognise those larger-than-life performances that so often go unheralded by an industry that prizes realism over exaggeration, even when the latter is what the role demands. The nominees for Best Over-The-Top Performance are... 
Christopher Lloyd in the Back to the Future trilogy. He said he was mainly inspired by the conductor Leopold Stokowski <laughs> uh, from the sort of hunch where he walks around mm-hmm. and the flailing arms. And he said it was, it was as if Doc Brown conducts the orchestra of the world. <laughs> I like that. Fantastic. David Bowie in Labyrinth. I, when I did this, like, pretentious review that I wrote <laughs> I focused on it like like it should have been played like Olivier or something like it should what? have been like it should have been like a really incredible performance and obviously he's hammy but he's having fun with it oh, isn't yeah. he and so after I'd written this review like sort of being quite critical of his performance one of my friends said to me well who would you rather have played the Goblin King mm-hmm. and I, I didn't have an answer no. for it Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator I think he's a fantastic actor mm-hmm. And his performance in this is nuts, uh, but nuts. but I think it's a better film for him having made that decision. If he if it was his decision, mm-hmm. I don't know if he was directed to uh, to really like chew the scenery like he does. But well, I thought he was, I thought he was perfectly despicable. He yes. was, yeah, mm. yeah, hammy. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think that, that made okay. it all the more entertaining. Mm. Judd Nelson in the Breakfast Club. Judd Nelson made up a lot of the terms he used, like Neo Maxi Zoomed Weeby, uh, which yeah, is fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> That's a good one. But then uh, I think also the joke as he's going through and he's talking, <laughs> as he's going through the ceiling, just before he falls through the ceiling. And uh, yeah, you know, he, he made up all that because I think he was quite frustrated because there wasn't, you know, there was a, a sort of a lack of script in some places. And I think we, we've been here before, haven't we, with, uh, with Russell Crowe? Russell Crow. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Now uh, he got the Oscar for that, you remember? <laughs> Let's not dredge it off again. Oh, no. I just get angry. Again. I know. <laughs> Do you think that this the performance of Judd Nelson as John Bender is better than than Russell Crowe's performance? <laughs> of, just out of interest. There's, there's a certain amount of ham to both of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Anthony Edwards in Top Gun. I, he's my favourite thing. I love him. I just think Thank he's great. You. Goose is my favourite character. Says, I love F him for Goose, the only semi-authentic character. Yeah, in it. <laughs> I love him. He's he honestly brilliant. he holds my attention so much. The, I'm like, oh, thank goodness he's in there. Yeah, seriously. In fact, and when this, he dies, I'm oh, gutted because he same. Four, there's 40 <laughs> minutes left. And... I know, and I'm like, really? I've got to go through the rest of this without him? <laughs> and the winner of the best over-the-top performance spoiler is Christopher Lloyd in the Back to the Future trilogy. Here comes Christopher to collect his award now. And great Scott, he's in full Doc Brown regalia. The audience are on their feet. That's the power of love, people. Congratulations, Christopher Lloyd. With one member of the spoiler team who doesn't like musicals, this next category instead highlights those musical moments that enliven otherwise non-musical films. The nominees for Best Musical Moment are... Miles Teller for the final drum solo in Whiplash. The first time I can ever remember rewinding and watching a final scene twice just because I found it so thrilling. And I, you worry, I suppose, that at the end of the day you can overanalyze a scene. However, there's, there's so much to be taken in it. And you know, a lot of it is just by a drum solo, but there is so much. Um, how did you feel about it, Rachel, the final big reveal? I, I, mean, I felt probably the same as you. I wanted to watch it again straight away as soon as it finished but that was sort of on a more almost a quite physical level the drumming was so primal almost it was just you know he was going for it and I was really rooting for him and then you watch it a second time and you view it in a completely different way or I did anyway the first time you're like yeah go for it play the drum that's fantastic you're doing really well and then when you watch it the second time and you see how Fletcher is still directing him he's still come up come up now don't come up do that and he's still directing him 
and he's still looking for approval. Neiman's still looking over to him for approval and he hasn't achieved anything. He's still under the thumb of this guy and he's turned away from his father and he's walked away and you just think, oh no, you haven't won at all. Michael J. Fox for his performance of Johnny B. Good in Back to the Future. Guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are gonna love it. Rebecca Del Rio for her performance of crying in Mulholland Drive. Gorgeous, oh isn't my it? goodness me, I was almost <laughs> my breath went. I was like, this is just stunning. And that was it for me. I was lost from that point on anyway. I was pretty much into it anyway, but as soon as that voice rang out, oh, it was just beautiful. It could have ended there for me, quite honestly. Yeah. Tom Hanks and Robert Lozier performing Heart and Soul on a giant piano in Big. Now, obviously, Tom Hanks is the, the little boy in the grown man's body, but he brings out the little boy from the older man, doesn't he? Mm. So it's almost like that is the moment when it's almost a body swap. Yeah, yeah. It, it does totally. It just brings him to life and yeah. he's hopping and skipping about on it. I also love that they... They seem to be doing it for real because mm. they hit a few wrong notes. They don't are they? doing they, it for they real. They wobble over onto the yeah. So it's not just like they've dubbed it over to make it perfect. You get these little mistakes, yeah. and it makes it all the better. It's like seeing someone do their own stunts. Yeah. Seeing it for real is what makes it such a brilliant scene. Yeah. Bronwyn Lewis for leading a performance of Bread and Roses in Pride. Victory to the miners! <laughs> That a sudden sun discloses For the people here are singing Bread and roses, bread and roses And the winner of the best musical moment spoiler is... Miles Teller for the final drum solo in Whitman. Drum roll please as Miles makes his way to the stage Drumsticks in hand, ready to recreate that wonderful moment of winning the spoiler award Miles, your drum kit awaits, and the stage is yours. Take it away. Well, obviously it's been a while since Whiplash came out, and those skills are a little rusty, but uh, congratulations anyway to Miles Teller, who's now hurriedly trying to remove the heavy drum kit from the stage single-handed. That's right, he's both rushing and dragging. Not everything in a film can be achieved through words, performance and direction. For some of the more fantastical elements, we must rely on the craft, vision and ingenuity of our wonderful visual effects artists. To announce the nominees for our best visual effects category, we have a special treat for you. Live via satellite link-up, our producer Johnny Hoare, who we can see here wearing his usual blazer with tweed elbow patches, and I assume, as is traditional, no trousers under the mixing desk. Johnny, don't stand up, but can we have the nominees for Best Visual Effects, please? Thanks, Andy. Trousers or pants, I think you'll find. Oh, it's a bit drafty up here, isn't it? 
and the nominees for Best Visual Effects are Kevin Pike and Ken Ralston for Back to the Future. I think there's an element of showing off, actually, because the first film, there's a lot of practical effects. And the second film, they've got a bit more clever. And, um, and they're going, oh, we can do this thing where there's like the same person playing loads of different characters in the same scene. Aren't we clever? Because ILM, um, Industrial Light and Magic, invented this system of how to do it. So or, or we'll do this and we'll put this and then there's a flying thing here and look, we can do a holographic jaws. And so they just kind of threw everything at it and went, look what we can do, aren't we clever? And the plot just, just went. Roy Field, Brian Froud, George Gibbs and Tony Donsterville for Labyrinth. Obviously, some of the, 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 the graphics and the effects in this film, particularly the jumping up, bouncing up and down of the baby, <laughs> leave a touch to be desired. And I think even, yes. at, that, even at that point, yeah. particularly as George Lucas is involved, yeah. so you think, hang on, but that too many special effects wouldn't, obviously wouldn't have worked, so it's fine, that's okay. But what I do think worked exceptionally well, and they must have put a lot of work into, is the final scene oh, of yeah. the labyrinth in the stairs in the centre of the castle. Yeah. Um, and, and you can see, and I do remember those those making of parts that say, wow, you know, mm. well, really well done. It really works. And that, for me, still holds up. There's nothing, yeah. you know, no, I'm, I'm looking for problems. <laughs> Mark Williams Ardington, Sarah Bennett, Paul Morris, and Andrew Whitehurst for Ex Machina. When you're looking to give a visual effects Oscar, you, you shouldn't just be looking for who's done the, the biggest, most kind of punch you in the face, amazing <laughs> kind of effects. It should, it should be how they've been used and how, how they play out in the film that they're in. And the, for the way the effects are used in this are perfect for the sort of film it is. Cine sight for Moon. I love some physical effects. And yeah, there were moments, of, oh, it's a model. But no, I really loved it. And it was really well done. That was the buggies, um, wasn't it, when you were looking yeah, at that? Yeah, the little yeah, buggies. Definitely a model, yeah. But no, I loved it. And it just lent it more heart, I think. And I mean, the quality of, of the production is just fantastic. Richard Edland, Aldis Sarrow, Brent Botes. Payne Morris for Die Hard. The, the stuff in the in the lift shaft, for example, mm. is very very tense. Yes, yeah, great. And really edge of the edge of the seat stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, and, and, and really good. And I, I think probably you know reasonable. I, I was about to say pioneering, but I think I'm over egging the pudding a bit there. I'm sure there've been been, there been stuff like that before. I, don't I, don't know, know, so I, long, I think it so was long quite, ago now. <laughs> it was quite spectacular. I'm, I'm struggling oh. to think of action films that were quite this spectacular before yeah. die i think it, it was part of why it made such an impact and the winner of the best visual effects spoiler is cine sight for Moon. well it was up against some stiff competition but the independent cine sight wins the spoiler for their terrific work on moon which never hit a single bum note oh come on it was right there for the taking So we come to the acting categories that recognise those all-important central performances, the star turns that often have to forcefully carry the bulk of a film on their shoulders, while tapping into the subtleties that ensure their characters are real to an audience that has pledged to spend the next two hours with them. The nominees for Best Actor are James Stewart in Vertigo. James Stewart was just outstanding, I thought, you know, really... Uh, what you want in this role is a likeable character, mm. someone to get on side of, and you know, you, straight away you're just on yeah. on his side, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Jacob Tremblay in Room. Somebody said to me, "Oh, he's a child. He's just parroting." No, he's not. No, it's in his no. eyes. It's in his no. movements when he's laid in that truck at, uh, when he's just wiggled himself out of rug, and that sort of wonderment and fear, and there's so much going on inside that kid's head. He did that. Nobody can teach him that. Tom Hanks in Big. Oh, Tom Hanks is 
performance in this is just, I mean, because at first, again, from the outside, before I'd seen it, and I knew this is how I knew I mustn't have seen it, when I heard, I, I don't know, it might have been from you, Andy, that he was Oscar nominated for it. I think I heard from you. Yeah. And I thought, what? Kids film? Oh, come on. You know, and he was in the 80s before he was really good. But no, actually, he gets it. He really gets it. Richard E. Grant in With Nail and I. I just think Richard E. Grant is absolutely marvellous. And he's just, and it's his film debut. And he's a teetotaler as well, which is incredible. So I don't know. I don't know how the heck he does it. But all the way through, you feel sickly with him. You feel headachey. You feel <laughs> your mouth goes a bit like the bottom of a budgie's cage. It's just, you absolutely feel it. And his, his little red-rimmed eyes. And you just think, oh, my goodness. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Jim Carrey in The Truman Show. It was this film that made me a Jim Carrey fan. I was not, not the mask. Jim... No, it just what? well, I like the film, but I just thought, oh god, he's just this gurning bloke who just you know, <laughs> excellent physical comedian, excellent physical comedian. But I just thought, oh, he's just too much in your face. I can't be doing with it. And then, yeah, The Truman Show. I thought, mm, really? But wow, he totally won me over, and he's he won me over ever since. Anything he does now, I'll watch and give him a chance. And the winner of the best actor spoiler is. Richard E. Grant in Widnail. And here comes Richard now to pick up the award he won by a significant margin of votes. Teetotal Richard might not be celebrating with the finest wines known to humanity, but he certainly earned that cake he demanded. And what's this? It looks like Richard is going to make the first speech of the evening. The mic's all yours, sir. Oh, no, no, he's changed his mind, never mind. Oh, well, congratulations anyway, Richard. Our next category is Best Actress, in which we celebrate the women whose performances have imbued starring roles with a depth and complexity which Hollywood so frequently and so infuriatingly omits in its female characters. The nominees for Best Actress are Sheridan Smith in Inside Number 9. She's amazing, absolutely amazing, and she brought that every girlness to the character it needed to be somebody anyone could relate to mm-hmm. she goes through the things that most people go through and she couldn't be this astonishingly slinky sexy i mean she's sexy but in her own lovely way mm-hmm. um it had to be somebody anyone could relate to and we all know sheridan we've watched her come from uh, two pints of lager and a packet of crisps yeah um she wasted in that yeah and, um, <laughs> i was gonna make the same fun <laughs> and then obviously her little bits in gavin and stacy where she stole every single scene <laughs> she was in so this girl can do whatever she wants to do and she's just so watchable yeah yeah i mean she she really did just bring just an outstanding class to this mm. didn't she brie larson in room i mean one thing that i'm not going to fail at all is the acting across the board i think brie larson absolutely deserved her Oscar and I I loved the way uh, Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay played off each other yeah. uh, I think maybe one of the disappointments of the second half of the film for me was that they're not together as much mm-hmm. and in that first hour for the most part it's those two holding the screen and they're they're fantastic together Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive this is a perfect show reel for her because uh, according to and we love the trivia on uh, on IMDb <laughs> uh, but apparently she was uh, she was going to uh, jack it all in and sort of you know not be uh, not be an actress anymore. Nicole Kidman sort of talked her out of it and said you know complete this role, and it is it's the perfect showreel for her to say look you know this, this is what this is what I can do because she can be you know the Hollywood starlet she can she can she she can cry she can act bonkers you know actually can um, you know just just go all over the shop. Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally. 
just to see Meg Ryan laugh is just a gorgeous sight, isn't it? Yeah, she's she's luminous. She's she's just the most beautiful thing in the film, and she becomes more beautiful when they're together because mm. her yeah. eyes sparkle and she she smiles and laughs seemingly naturally. I don't know. I think there was a lot of laughs off the set as well, and I think they genuinely did have a lot of spark and chemistry between them. There's um, a lovely scene in the museum where they've decided we are going to talk like this. <laughs> and I love it. It's so brilliant. But there's this fantastic bit where he's saying um, something about, I'd be proud to partake of your pecan pie. <laughs> and um, and she, she genuinely looks to the side and she's looking at Rob like, am, am I meant to repeat that? Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Fleabag. The way she flits between talking to the audience and talking to the... Uh, the characters in the scene. I mean, some of it is so... The timing is so dead on that it's like, almost like a kind of old vaudeville routine. There's this great bit where she's talking to her sister and she's, she's told us about how she knows that she's going to come on her period when she tries something different. And she's noticed she's got plaits in her hair. And uh, she asks her sister, are you coming on your period? And she says, uh, why do you ask? And she turns to the camera and says, the plaits, to the audience. <laughs> and then she turns back and says, no reason. And then her sister <laughs> says, say it. And she says, the plaits. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just really beautifully done. And the winner of the Best Actress spoiler is... Naomi Watts from Mulholland Drive. And as we welcome Naomi to the stage, I wonder if she should actually be getting two spoiler awards for this incredible dream performance. But even as those words leave my lips, my producer is yelling in my ear that we're on a tight budget and I've already messed up by promising Richard E. Grant cake. So sorry Naomi, one award is all you get. Congratulations anyway. Of course, spoiler isn't entirely about the visual medium. And in our next category, Best Novel, we celebrate those authors who conjure arguably even more vibrant images in our heads. The nominees for Best Novel are Stoner by John Williams. It's taken a long time for this book to find its audience, uh, but it should have been kept hidden away under a rock, shouldn't it? No. Oh. No, 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 no. No, I really love it. I didn't know I loved it so much until Andy made us read it. Um, I had read it, I skim read it maybe years and years ago without fully taking it in, but this time I properly read every single word and you need to read every single word. It's beautiful. Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. I really enjoyed this book, actually. It's uh, I can see like why a lot of people have criticised it for being a bit sort of lacking a dimension. Sometimes it reads a bit like a list of recommendations <laughs> of uh, of eighties films and uh, computer games and music. But to me, that that's great. It's uh, I think it does limit its audience slightly in that it will definitely appeal more strongly to people who, who lived through that time or have a particular interest in that time. But there's there's such an obvious love from Ernest Klein for this, this period that it, it's a real joy to read it, I think. Room by Emma Donoghue. I have to admit, when I read what it was about from the, on the back, I was reluctant because you know I'm emotionally available and yes. very sensitive. And I thought, do I really want to put myself through this? And then a friend said, it's written from the, the little boy's point of view, which makes it slightly less harsh. All right, OK, I'll do a paragraph test. And I was in there. One paragraph, I was like, oh, this is really different. This is really interesting. I like this kid's voice. And that was it. I read it in um, two sittings. I, I mean, I had to put it down because I had to sleep, but I didn't <laughs> want to. <laughs> I just thought it was exceptional. Wonder by R.J. Palacio. 
I love reading things and, and watching things that are aimed at all sorts of ages. And I think a good critic can judge them based on both what uh, how they play to an audience that they're aimed at and also how they play to a, a grown audience. And I think this this book has been uh, has been thoroughly judged in in both cases, hasn't it? And uh, I think I would have I would have loved it as a kid, but as an adult, I absolutely adore it. I thought it was just beautiful. I really did. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams does a, a lot of this in, in this book. It's, it's taking something familiar and placing it into an unfamiliar context or vice versa. So taking an android and making him depressed or, mm. or having a, a Vogon minion who's disillusioned with the weekly grind and things like that. <laughs> and I've never been a big a big sci-fi fan, really, but I love this. And I think it's because I, I like that. So I like the small and trivial things. So it's placing those within that bigger context makes it, easier for me to grab onto and the winner of the best novel spoiler is rj palatio for wonder and as rj palatio makes her way to the stage the audience are on their feet again in recognition of a powerful and sensitive examination of a young boy with treacher Collins syndrome and my producer is telling me not to ruin this moving moment with one of my corny jokes so i'll just say congratulations rj we loved your novel Our next category is Best Soundtrack, in which we celebrate the art of assembling songs to accompany the action on screen, whether that be by commissioning a songwriter or handpicking existing works to complement the vision. Our nominees for Best Film Soundtrack are... Pride. Back to the Future. Please don't drive me. Don't want to be late again. So take me away. I don't mind. It's better promise me I'll be back in time. Gotta get back in time. Labyrinth. Romeo and Juliet. The winner of the best film soundtrack spoiler is Romeo and Juliet. And coming up to collect the award, a special guest radio head 
whose two contributions to that wonderful 90s soundtrack played a significant part in securing it the spoiler. And of course, it wouldn't be an award ceremony without a musical interlude. So, seeing as how we're in the presence of musical genius, let's invite him to the stage. Everyone, let's have a big hand for Paul Tyler, playing extracts from his Stoner and Ready Player One remixes. Tom, Johnny, Ed, Colin, Philip, could you clear the stage please? Musical genius coming through. Says they have a new school at the University in Columbia. They call it a College of Agriculture. Says he thinks you ought to go. And that sometime during your sophomore year, you switched your program to literature. Is that correct? When I was a little girl about six years old, I could play the piano. Kiss the bride. Kiss the bride. Airwolf, The A-Team, Knight Rider, Star Trek, Brain Man, Howard the Duck, Krull, Highlander 2, Matthew Broderick, The Goodies, Superman the Movie, Blade Runner, Monty Python, and The Holy Grail. Thank you for that, Paul. Superb as all. Radiohead, are you still here? Look, you've won your award. I don't understand why. Can't you just take it and go? No, no, Tom, get away from that piano. We don't have time. Security. Yeah, could you just move him on, please? Thank you. Sorry about that unpleasantness. On to the next award. Given the varying levels of emotional availability in the spoiler team, we rarely tackle horror films, but that hasn't stopped us probing some dark corners of the human psyche. In the most chilling moment category, we celebrate those spine-tingling scenes that turned our sweat to ice and our stomachs to pulp. The nominees for most chilling moment are The Horror Behind Winkies in Mulholland Drive. No, my goodness Winkies. me. That really scared me. <laughs> I'm very jumpy, as you know, I'm very sensitive. It's, well, I nearly did what he did. and I was like, <gasps> But, um, yeah, that immediately jars you. <laughs> Sam sees his clone for the first time in Moon. You know, when, when he, he goes down that shaft and we hear that perfect bit of music as he steps down there, um, and it just adds to the mystery of it, and then he sees himself. Now, I, very, very luckily, I remember the first time around, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know anything about the film at all. Brilliant. It's always the way you should go to any film. And it was it was scary and frightening and, and, and wonderful. And then you start, the story starts to, to, to unravel. Flying eggs in Inside Number 9, The Twelve Days of Christine. To me, this was like a little sort of art house horror film. Well, it's not. It wasn't really horror in the end, but it. Mm. To me, this was the the scariest episode. I think. I mean that that bit with the eggs mm. and the, when before you know what's going on, it really uh, it really creeped me out. The performance of Tomorrow Belongs to Me in Cabaret. What was disturbing for me was how. How just how rousing it was, mm. and I, I thought that was you know out of all this. As I said earlier on, there are bits in this um, that you know really really stood out. Obviously, Liza Minnelli's performance, but this too, just how rousing that was, and how disturbing it, it was to see such mm. a thing. Uh, and I, you know that that places it in in a period of time, and I understood at that point as well just how brave. I don't know if brave's the right word. I'm going to say it though because I hope you know what I mean by it. That 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 it was, you know, um, as we mentioned at the top of the program, you know, this was um, not so much time after uh, the end of the Second World War that this was put out, and it, it does seem powerful. Richard Wilder roars his name into a tape recorder in High Rise. 
there's that moment when he's recording his voice into the recorder and it's, it becomes this roar, this kind of... It starts off with, I'm Richard Wilder, and then it goes... And then it becomes this, this feral thing. And the winner of the most chilling moment spoiler is... Tomorrow Belongs to Me in Cabaret. And goose-stepping their way onto the stage to collect the award are the Nazis from that truly disturbing scene. And that sound you can hear now is security throwing them out because we don't let Nazis into the spoiler awards, even fictional ones. Boys, your award will be in the skip out back after we've all finished spitting on it. Our next category is Best Director. Often seen as the author of the film, the director is actually one of the film's many parents, but arguably the one whose fingerprints are most prominently visible on the final work. The nominees for Best Director are... David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. When, when you see David Lynch interviewed uh, a couple of times about this, uh, and again, I didn't go uh, too far with it, a couple of YouTube videos, and both both of them start out with the same question, you know, what's the film about? <laughs> and you can see him just take a big... <laughs> Deep breath inwards. He was very patient with it, though. You have to say, you know. <laughs> what did he say when they said, what's the film about? I don't... I think, I, do you know, I want to say he said it's not about anything, but I think that's a misquote. Mm. Don't quote me on that. Because it's about everything. Yeah. Duncan Jones for Moon. For me, it, it didn't feel necessarily like a sci-fi film. It, I felt it belongs to a separate sort of category of films. That It's like the debut indie film and there's these these great little films like uh richard linklater's slacker wes anderson's bottle rocket or the the, the classic of this subgenre would probably be the coen brothers blood simple but they're, they're just like small you can all it's almost like watching claymation where you can see the uh the animator's fingerprints on those early claymation animation films and you can see you can see the director working at it but it, it just makes it all the more endearing all the more it, it just invests it with this energy and passion alfred hitchcock for Vertigo. Undoubtedly for me, he's the greatest director out there. I mean, since we started doing what? Spoiler. Hang on. Really? <laughs> you're, not, saying, you're, you're nodding I'm, your head, Rachel. I'm, what? I'm not saying he's my favourite, but I can see where Andy's coming from. <laughs> it, it might sound like a bold statement, but if you start watching these films, you'll see the amount of amazing films there are. He, he always worked with really good scripts, but he had the, these amazing sort of uh, visualisations. I mean, if you watch documentaries on, on Vertigo, you can see like the, the drawings he did for like the storyboards and things are amazing, what he had in his head for it already Richard Linklater for Boyhood it's like something that just kind of sits over you and then over time it just kind of sinks into your pores a bit and then you think more and more about it and because it is life and I can I can feel quite melancholy about it I can get it depends I suppose how you watch it if you watch it in a particularly melancholic state it's going to make you worse if you watch it in a quite happy state it'll probably make you feel better it's really quite astonishing and I think when you first start watching it and you think, there's that little boy, and they are oh, right, okay, it's quite shallow, but oh, this is going on a bit, and oh, he's growing up a bit. And then and then suddenly he's quite a bit older, and you go, oh my God, that's actually the same kid, isn't it? And there's a little bit of me just remembering and going, that's the same boy, and wow. And every now and then it just, I, I came out of it slightly because of the wonder of it, mm-hmm. and going, that's quite amazing. Alfonso Cuaron, The Children of Men amazing emotional connect to this film uh, I watched it when it came out I was on the few that did um, I was blown away by it I've read the book and I've watched it many times over the years I've just bought the blu-ray watched documentaries <laughs> I am saturated in this film and I love it so um, it's totally different I think to um, I love that you can appreciate the technical abilities yeah. because it is yeah, technically absolutely. incredible 
and that can't really be disputed. It no. is technically incredible. And the winner of the best director spoiler is Alfred Hitchcock for Vertigo. Well, he may never have won a Best Director Oscar, but I'm sure a spoiler is just as good. And here comes Alfred to collect it now. Good evening, Alfred. Tell me, how does it feel to have won the Best Director spoiler? Oh, oh, my producer's telling me to stick to yes or no questions, so let me rephrase that. Are you happy to have won the Best Director spoiler? Yes. Yes, he's nodding his head. That means yes. Alfred, congratulations and good night. Good evening. Alfred Hitchcock, ladies and gentlemen. Our next category is Best Cameo, which celebrates those performers who manage to make a lasting impact with just minutes, sometimes even seconds, on screen. The nominees for Best Cameo are... Malcolm Shields in I, Daniel Blake. Yes! One job, one job! <laughs> You're the man we want! Jim Broadbent in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The FBI showed up this morning, ransacked your office, searched all your files. You're the dean of the college, why didn't you stop them? They had no right. They had every right. They weren't vandals, they were federal agents with search warrants. The university isn't going to get itself embroiled in that kind of controversy. Not in this charged climate. So you're firing me. A leave of absence is all. Definite leave of absence. You are fired. During me. which they've agreed to continue to pay your full salary for I a period. I don't want their money. Please don't be foolish. You don't know what I had to go through to get that point. You went through. What exactly did you have to go through, Charlie? Henry. I resigned. Omid Jalili in Gladiator. Proximo, my old friend. Every day is a great day when you are here. But today is your most fortunate day. Those giraffes you sold me, they weren't made. You sold me queer giraffes. I want my money back. Not the chance. Anthony Wise in With Nail and I. I want you to take one deep breath and fill this bag. Are you refusing to fill this bag? I most certainly am. Placing you under arrest. Don't be ridiculous. I haven't done anything. Look here, my cousin's a QC. Get in the back of the van! Estelle Reiner in When Harry Met Sally. Oh! 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 Oh, God. Oh. I'll have what she's having. And the winner of the best cameo spoiler is... Estelle Reiner in When Harry Met Sally. And here comes Estelle to collect her award for that iconic moment in When Harry Met Sally. And in keeping with the brevity of the performance, she's left the stage already without making a speech. But I can tell you she looks positively orgasmic at having won. We'll have what she's having, folks. Don't worry, it's nearly over now. I'm as tired as you, you know. We spend so much time on spoiler gazing up at the silver screen that it can result in a nasty crick in the neck. Occasionally, then, we like to scale things down with some small screen action. The best TV series category celebrates the cream of the television shows we've watched over the years. And Dark somehow got nominated as well. The nominees for best TV series are... This is England 90, 
by this stage, if you're not on board with with the This Is England series already, it's it's not too late to uh, to jump on board. And you don't even have to go back and see the film and the uh, the other series. Although I think it it does enhance it if if you do. But uh, I have been on board with it since since day one, and uh, it's just brilliant to see all those characters back. I mean, there, there's obvious real dedication from uh, from the actors involved, and uh, a real sort of love of of these characters and and each other. Fleabag. For me, this is the first time I've ever seen women depicted in, yes, the rather filthy way that we can be. This, like, less than feminine, quite potty-mouthed, very honest, very raw. It was just refreshing, but also kind of not. It was. It really toyed with my emotions a lot, and I thought that was quite special. Detectorists. I absolutely adore this series. I think it's reclaimed good storytelling for the British sitcom. And it's also reinstated a feel-good factor that's become deeply unfashionable. Uh, for a long time, the in thing where sitcoms are concerned was to be really kind of cynical and dark and sometimes quite nasty. And I think Detectress feels like a turning point in that it, it tells a compelling, funny, engaging story without feeling the need to absolutely put its characters through the ringer of humiliation and degradation. Inside number nine. Anything like this that's a bit scary, uh, a bit like The Walking Dead that's a bit... It's going to frighten me. <laughs> and, and I mean me. Um, I, I, I like to have my wife there and we're like, you know, and, and I feel safe and it's okay. Now, when, we, when I rewatch these... I watched it by myself, and particularly this episode, it scared the bejesus <laughs> out of me. Dark. I absolutely agree. There's a lot of very unlikable characters in this, but this is something about this place, about Wyndon, that's very dark. It's dark by name, dark by nature. And I'm afraid to say humans can be quite awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem that this particular town is populated with very awful people. What but there that? could be more reasons for this. My and problem. Season 2 is going to show you some stuff. And the winner of the best TV series spoiler is... Detectorists. And here comes the show's wonderful writer, director and star, Mackenzie Crook, to collect the award. Mackenzie, you finally found your gold. Yeah, well, don't pick at it. That paint flakes off really easily. Congratulations, Mackenzie Crook. It simply wouldn't be the Spoiler Awards without an award for Best Ending, in which we recognise the devastating denouements, the fanciful flourishes, the rousing climaxes and the rib-tickling last lines that leave us craving more. The nominees for Best Ending are With Nail and I for Richard E. Grant's performance of Hamlet in the Rain. But the speech in the pouring rain, oh. you know, it just goes to show that if, you know, if he didn't have that sherry before breakfast, then, you know, he, he can, darn it, he can act. He's got some good talent. Yeah. He's got some really powerful talent. It's a really moving, moving part of the film, an amazing soliloquy. And I've heard that speech from a lot of different actors. Yeah. I've watched Hamlet a lot. Oh, is that Hamlet, is it? Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> and uh, there we go. That's brought me back there. <laughs> Pride for lesbians and gays support the miners' triumphant march. Did that many miners really support the LGBTQ community at their march? More, apparently. Really? really? Yes. I was reading about the real history of yeah. it because I knew if Andy was going to pick on anything, it would be um, something to do with like how true it was to life. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll see how true it is, just to make sure. Incredibly true to life. Um, and it, but they made it smaller. Melancholia for the destruction of the entire planet. This is going to sound rather strange, but it's still quite a beautiful ending. That planet is gorgeous. Mm. And I know Claire um, 
Charlotte Gansborg's character says something about it looking friendly and it has got this beautiful blue colour and it's very friendly looking and it's very beautiful and we've got that fantastic classical piece that prelude to Tristan and Isolde it's a gorgeous piece of music yeah I'm not going to say it's happy ending that would be crazy but it's it's not the worst thing ever so, <laughs> so i have to get something out of it or it gets far too down the breakfast club for the reading of the essay i've done this when i've left work on a friday hmm. i used to have this job where i used to have to lock a gate and walk across a bit of a field and that field always for me was walking across that socket field and <laughs> punching the air and i, yeah. I you know I, I i do that and i'm doing it right now it's, it's, it's a <laughs> brilliant feeling on a friday when you finish work uh, just to say yeah yeah, I'm out of here, man. Some like it hot, for the famous nobody's perfect line. In the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. Well, I have a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Oh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. And the winner of the best ending spoiler is... With Nail and I. And to collect the award for With Nail and I's third win of the night, here comes its writer and director, Bruce Robinson. Bruce, congratulations. What's that? No, there's no cake. Yes, I know Richard got cake, but that was an error on my part. No, no. Look, talk to my producer. There might be a bit of Battenberg going or something. Maybe a fig wrong. Well, we've reached the end of our little... Not yet. We've got one left. Of course, we're ending on the big one. The spoiler award for Best Picture. The film that impressed us most across the board in the five years we've been... How long? Has it really? God, I feel so old. In the five years we've been meeting in that studio in the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln to bring you spoiler. And it seems only fitting that this final award should be presented by the eloquent, charismatic, modest and above all... Paul, I can't read your writing. What does that say? What? I'm not reading that. Because I'm a married man. I'll just get up here. Ladies and gentlemen, our genial host, Paul Tyler. And while we're at it, how about a quick hand for me? After all, I have been presenting this whole thing. Okay, Paul, just read the damn nominations. Well, thanks, Andy, and thanks for doing such a wonderful job. Now, the nominees for the best picture are... A Separation. I, I sat down to watch this, this film, and it was a film that, that I'd, I'd read rave reviews of everywhere, and I, like you, I'd, I'd love a, I love a good foreign language film, but I'd, I'd just I'd put it off for a while because I knew it was going to be quite heavy. But also, I'd seen that it, it seemed to have, have reached across boundaries. I mean, this is it's in the uh, IMDb Top 250, which is quite often quite a populist list, so it's obviously like not just a critical success. It's it's reached a lot more people than y- you might expect, so... I sat down to watch it with sort of no real expectations and two hours later I came out of it and I went to Facebook and I put a post up that said this is one of the best films I've ever seen. Vertigo. I think I just because I have such fond memories of the first time that I watched it 
and I saw it in Cardiff in a little flea pit style cinema and it was a classic film run I'd never seen it I had no preconceptions at all and um, I just loved it so much because I love Jimmy Stewart anyway massive Jimmy Stewart fan he is my ideal man and I went with my boyfriend at the time and he was a massive Kim Novak fan and we just sat there enthralled basically for the whole film the music you know what I'm like with music. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to run a sweepstake, but I think every, <laughs> everyone would have gone for like the first three minutes, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. Know, we, we wouldn't have got out of well, there. Yeah, this yeah. is the thing. I mean, it starts with a Paramount logo in black and white, which you're not expecting because you know the film's in colour. And it starts, do, 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 and you think, this is something different. And then the Saul Bass credits come up and it's, wow, immediately you're in. Mulholland Drive. Uh, I saw uh, the great Barry Norman once. I saw him do a live show and he was talking about this this film and he said he loved it, but he didn't understand anything that was going on. And he, he interviewed David Lynch and he said to David Lynch, uh, I loved your film, Mulholland Drive, but I haven't got a clue what it's about. And David Lynch said to him, yes, you have, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and Barry Norman well, said that's when he felt that David Lynch didn't have a clue what Mulholland Drive was about either but I think it, it really it, it kind of shows that I think what he probably meant by that is that I don't think David Lynch made it with no idea of what it was about but I think he thought here's what it's about for me but let's leave these doors open for people to bring in their interpretations and it's I think it's endured a lot more in leaving those doors open I, Daniel Blake did either of you think it would be as... You see, I'm about to say, did you think it would be as entertaining as it is? I mean, I found a lot of it very entertaining. Mm. Yeah. Entertainment almost sounds a bit wrong as if it's like voyeuristic in some way or that I'm getting some entertainment from it. No, no, but what I'm... But what it's, I'm it's probably important that I make, make that point. You know what I mean, but it's important yeah. the listeners knows what I yeah, mean by yeah. that. But where we say... Right, okay, we, you and I, I think, both were thinking, oh, God, this is going to wrench my yeah, heart yeah. out of my soul here. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say Andy's got a pea-sized heart. <laughs> but I was definitely thinking of you at the time, Rachel. Where I thought, oh, no, actually, I was laughing at, at, yeah, certain, no, um, at certain points of it because life's like that. And pride. As someone who had something in their eye for quite a lot of this film, how much did you cry during Pride? <laughs> oh my goodness, I had so many emotions. I'm totes emotion during this film. I really am. It's just one of my favourite films of all time, I've decided. I've watched it many times. Every time it hits me right in the feels. And it's just wonderful from start to finish. And it makes me cry with happiness, with sadness, with excitement, with frustration. It's all the tears. Mm. And it's just wonderful. And the winner of the Best Picture Spoiler is... Vertigo! For Truth and I, Daniel Blake. And to collect the best picture spoiler, here comes the entire cast and crew of Vertigo. Led by previous spoiler winners Alfred Hitchcock and Bernard Herrmann, there are stars Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak, producer James C. Katz, and presumably due to some booking mix up, there's BBC News 24's Gavin Estler. Never mind, you're very welcome, Gavin. And congratulations to everyone involved in bringing the marvellous vertigo to the screen. Well, it only remains for me to say thank you to all of you for tuning in to the Spoiler Awards. And who knows, maybe we'll do it all again in another five years' time. Until then, see you all again soon for Series 9 of Spoiler. Thank you, and good night. You've been listening to the Spoiler Awards, presented by a delusional man in lockdown who put on a tuxedo especial. Our co-presenters were Paul Tyler and Rachel Burnett, and our trousers producer was Johnny Hall. 
The Spoiler Awards was recorded in several different houses in and around the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln.